So some world we're having right now, huh? <laughs> now, what are we going to think about it? What are our conversations going to be about it? Are we going to make it worse or are we going to make it better? I'm responsible to make it better, not them. I am responsible. And so many people during, oh, we'll say some certain elections, were so afraid of who might be elected. And I said, well, you know, this one's going to be elected. I said, how do you know? Well, I just, well, do you want this one to be elected? No. I said, then why do you keep pronouncing it? Why do you keep claiming what you don't want in life? I've seen people where I've had to ask them, who are, who are you voting for? Because it looks like you're voting for somebody else by your campaign. You're doing your Facebook page. Us screaming about what we hate and what we don't want only brings more of it around. Now, I understand there is a protest. Uh, you know, we, we have to speak uh, uh, out for what we don't want, but we must speak louder for what we do want. We must, we must, we must. People, parents, never made a child better behaved or more thoughtful by screaming at them about how awful they are. No child was ever made a better person because they were told repeatedly that they weren't. And some insane parent was taught that by their parents that I have got to bring them out to be this person I want them to be somehow by telling them that they're not that person. And how many of us look in a mirror and tell ourselves we're awful, we're ugly, we're fat, we're this, we're that? How many of us do that? Yeah. Okay, hands are going up. It's crazy. Do I have three? Do I have four? I, uh, you know, and it's, we tell ourselves these things, how bad the world is. But it's beautiful out there right now. As far as I'm concerned, I look outside. It feels great. It looks great. There are so many options I have today. You know, I can't run and have an abortion, but you know. But people, if you'll notice, are stepping up to help those who live in those places that have voted, no, you can't do this here. But here, let me drive you to the next state. Let me give you money. Let me do this for you. You know, th things will shift again. We've got to find a way to love the people who don't love themselves. We have got to find a way to love these people. Because hating them only makes us hate ourselves. Hey, you know, so if we get together to talk about how awful these people are. Now, it's one thing if we get together and say, I'm really experiencing a lot of fear about what's going on. Now we're talking about our own feelings and our own thoughts and our own concerns. But if we get together to say, I hate this person because they did that, we've just made another set of bad parents for ourselves. You know, a set of nine. We've just you know, done things to uh, make it worse on ourselves and those we wish to help. And we are unity as a child of God I do not inherit sickness 
Well, I don't need to inherit mental sickness either. I do not need to make myself mentally, emotionally, spiritually ill because I'm afraid. Can I just have the fear and then ask for a divine idea about it? Today's antecedent of new thought or ancestor of new thought that I want to speak about is, is Miranda Kramer. Is it Miranda? No, Melinda. Melinda Kramer. I get that one confused all the time. But Melinda Kramer. She was born in Greensboro, Indiana. Daughter of Obadiah and Mary Hinshaw Elliott. Have you ever heard of Divine Science, the movement? She started it. Along with Nona Brooks, who we'll talk about in another week. She, uh, now, Mar Melinda was hoping to alleviate a persistent health problem. So she moved to San Francisco in 1872, and she met her husband, Charles Lake Kramer. Uh, he, he was a photographer. Now, despite the move, despite the geographic, her problems persisted. So it was not about moving from Indiana to San Francisco that was going to heal her, necessarily. She'd been an invalid for 25 years at this point. And, uh, you know, her something and her stuff, and uh, couldn't get around. And she saw doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor who all told her she was incurable. Isn't it a drag when your doctor tells you you're incurable? It's an even bigger drag when you believe it. And I can't tell, sometimes I guess it is. You know, many people have left us. We're not going to call that bad. We're not going to call that bad. We don't know. We don't understand. But what I'm looking at here is for the people who was told it was incurable and they found another way. They, you know, they had a spark in them. I don't know why everybody doesn't. But some people, they just push and push and push from, from within for that. Uh, and I love this. She, she said... Fed up with the inability of doctors to provide a cure, she declared, I will not see another physician. And asked by her husband what she would do, she replied, well, get well, of course. Well, there we go. She had a plan. She had an alternate plan to doctors. Now, I'm not telling anybody here not to go to a doctor. I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm not a, it's uh, a word I want. No, not that. <laughs> It would be irresponsible. We'll go with that one. It would be a misdiagnosis on my part to tell you not to go to a doctor. But I will tell you, your doctor doesn't have the final say. I will tell you that. We have the final say, consciously or unconsciously, of our lives. So uh, she, it's funny, she, she wrote a, uh, an article later on in the Divine, Divine Science and Healing, and she said, the axe was laid at the root of the tree and the old conditions passed away as fast as I disowned the old habits of belief. And then she became, she began to treat her friends and everything, treat this in the science, divine science, religious science, Christian science, they call it prayer treatment. So, 1885, Kramer had what she described as a divine revelation after an hour of earnest meditation and prayer, prayer, prayerful seeking. So see, an hour is all it takes, apparently. <laughs> Most of us can't give five minutes. You know, anybody I tell to start meditating, I say, five minutes, set a timer 
for five minutes. You know, let's start. Start to exercise that muscle. But she says, after an hour, now she was desperate. So it's different. You know, these, these people I speak of, they weren't people who had more time and money on their hands than they knew what to do with and wanted to do some service. So it's life and death. For everybody I have uh, spoken about in the last several months now. So she said, And that hour was the beginning of my realization of the oneness of life. And a gleam of its truth flashed across my mental vision. If I was to get well, it would be by the power of the Holy Spirit. I like how she put it. If I was to get well, it would be by the power of the Holy Spirit. She knew it's possible to get well, it's possible to not get well, but she knew it wasn't going to come through ego. It wasn't going to come through doctors. It would have to be by that spirit within her. There's one way out of these conditions. I must seek the way. The truth of the presence of spirit. And within two years, she was healed. Two seems to be a number. There's a lot of these. Myrtle Fillmore took two years for her healing. She wrote of her healing, and I, I really appreciate this. She said, an all-absorbing realization of a presence and a power not before realized. This presence was more than personal. It was omnipresence. Presence itself. It was real and permanent. It was so vivifying, vivifying and illumining. I knew I was one with it. It was as a consuming fire in all that the, in all things became it and were this one presence manifested. Before this, the presence and omnipresence of God had been a vague belief. Anybody understand that? You grasp that? Oh, a vague belief. Now it was a realization. See, nobody could give that to her. She had to give it to herself. Every All these people who have had their healings, they, they studied, they prayed, they did things, but they had to give the healing to themselves. And so she wasn't healed instantly, but she saw the unreality of her conditions. And so was freed from the belief that these conditions had power over her or could control her for either good or evil. She uh she wrote in Divine Science and Healing, the axe was laid. In 1892, Kramer founded the International Divine Science Association, which is a forerunner of the International New Thought Alliance, which would interconnect the various New Thought centers. So, she believed that if she did what she knew was needed to do, be done, Something good was going to happen. Something positive was going to happen. Hello. Something was going to happen that was beyond her understanding. Beyond her intellectual understanding. All our healing always is beyond our intellectual understanding. None of us understands life and none of us understands death. We know we have tremendous feelings about it. And it is my personal belief that the physical life isn't better than the physical death. I don't know what either one of them mean. 
what the where to me the problem lies is we're not going within to find out how to have the best journey we can have <coughs> we don't do that nearly enough we don't get quiet enough to listen and hear we're busy with our opinions we're busy with our judgments we're busy with our fears which is another form of opinion and and so we we get so scared of life but then so many are so afraid of death which is terrified all the time and trying to get through each day and I want to see even say as best we can but as best we can with doing as little as possible about it for many of us until it gets desperate until things really start to fall apart. I was blessed with the gift of desperation. I wouldn't have dug in to my spirituality if I weren't uh, desperate. I was so unhappy. I didn't want to kill myself, but I didn't want to live either. And so it's like, oh, where do we go? I, I, uh, and then I uh, met people who had had some healings. I thought, wow. They told me what they did, and so I began to try what they did a little at a time. Sometimes I was an overachiever in certain places. You know, I went to groups, and I listened, and I went to a lot of groups, group meetings and things, and I listened, and I thought, okay, and this one had a healing, and this one had a healing of various types, whether it be sobriety, whether it be physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing. I wanted a connection with what I called God, and I didn't want a vague one. I didn't want a God that I had to be afraid of, because that's what I believed in at that time. Remember talk, today's talk is called You Must Believe. But what is it I must believe? Well, as I met these people and I talked to them and read the books, and I thought, oh, I must believe in the freedom of God. I must believe that, uh, actually, in neither good nor bad on a human level, on a physical level. You know, to say this chair is good. Why is it good? Because I can sit down and relax on it. Why? What makes that good? Well, it's it's got four strong legs. And I say, what makes that good? Da, 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 da. Finally, it comes down to because I said so. That's what makes it good. The chair with a broken leg. That's a bad chair. What makes it bad? Well, it's got. To, if it comes down to because I said so. It's a good day. Bad day. No, it wasn't. It was a day filled with my thoughts about it. How many of you have gone to church or joined a group or been in public somewhere and you just knew everybody there was thinking about you? <laughs> in an elevator and they're thinking about you. And they weren't at all. They may have noticed you come in the door. But even if they look at you, they're thinking about themselves. I know this because I go into elevators, I go into rooms. Very quickly, my thoughts turn to me. Unless I'm comparing myself to those people, which is still all about me, isn't it? So to real, oh, oh, 
it's so disappointing to realize everybody isn't thinking about me. But it sure would be nice. Oh, every positive or negative, at least they're thinking about me. Somebody's thinking about me. I feel less lonely. Still self-conscious. But I feel less lonely. It's like I, I went down to Gabe downstairs and I had my shirt was tucked in. I said, do I look better with this shirt tucked in or should I untuck it? And I knew Gabe would not lie to me. And I trust Gabe's taste. And uh, Diane was there too. She told me, but I didn't trust her taste as much as Gabe's. <laughs> Gabe understands a nice man's blouse. <laughs> and... Uh, and he was lovely. He said, oh, it, it looks good either way. And I believe him. But you see, I walk up on the stage and I'm still more worried about how I look than will you like what I'm saying. Just in case you don't like what I'm saying, well, at least he looked nice in his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy. <laughs> it's just, a, it's a, it's self-conscious. And it tells me where I still am with my belief. I believe everything I read today. Truth is, I, I believe that all healing is possible. I, I've experienced a lot of healing. You've heard my story about my ankle. Instantaneous healing with a sprained ankle after praying. This, uh, this is the important part. I'm not going to tell the whole story. But that I sat down to meditate, not to heal. Or, you know, to have a, a general healing, but not a specific. But I sat down and I affirmed that Christ in me is awake now. I felt a ripple start right here. And it went down the whole side of my body and my ankle went eh. And I was back on rollerblades the next day. I witnessed that happen. I have witnessed a cold lifting right up out of my head during an, a meditation circle I was in years ago. I witnessed that. I know it's possible from my own experience. Others of us have had instantaneous healings, and sometimes we've had an instantaneous healing that took a couple of years to heal. Some of us have overcome alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, this is a drug. We have overcome inharmonious relationships. We have overcome our thoughts about the world. You know what was so hard? is when you're really angry at somebody in the world and you sit down with a friend and you start to talk about it and they don't play along. They don't participate. It's like playing a board game and they refuse to roll the dice. Well, we can't. I can't get back to my turn if you won't take your turn. My friend Joy was so wonderful years ago after a Unity class when I first started. We went for our Tuesday Chinese meal, and we, uh, and I started going off about somebody or something. I'm sure it was somebody, and uh, and she smiled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but, and she wouldn't play. But she she loved me so much. She didn't say cancel, cancel, cancel. <laughs> she didn't criticize me. She didn't express any fear for me. She just didn't want to play that day. And so we stopped talking about that stuff. We're talking about reading the Four Agreements in Wednesday night's class. And this week was keep your word impeccable, or be impeccable with your word, whichever it is. And it's like, oh, but I have opinions to spout. I have my 
stuff that I want to talk about. That's a, keep your word impeccable. <laughs> Be impeccable with your word. Which means, oh, so I can't misuse my I am. You know, I am poor, I am this, I am not. I'm not. Uh, I can't misuse your I am, meaning to uh, declare that you are less than a child of God. I got to tell you, in this political climate, in I, don't, I can't even call it politics anymore, in, in this hateful climate, there's no politics in it. It's about, it's about people who have been disenfranchised in their life, and they have found what seems to be some power and a platform, just like I have, to spout their hate, their self-loathing. And I've gotten better and better and better when it comes up to say, only love lives in your mind. That's how I pray for another now. Only love lives in your mind because only love lives in my mind. And I cannot give you the love that's in my mind by declaring you are less than a, a child of God. I have to keep declaring only love lives here. Only love lives in this mind and body. Only love lives in this room. Only love lives in that room. Only love lives in this street. Only love lives in my car. Only love lives in every single being in this room. Only love lives. Only love lives. Everything else dies. Anything that's not love dies. Anything that's not love dies. I, I've seen hate in me just die away. Because I'm not fueling it anymore. I'm no longer putting the wood on the fire like I did. And I enjoy a nice gossip session. <laughs> but as Kenneth was singing that I believe, and I listened to those lyrics, I was like, oh, I have a chance to look at the sky and love it. But I'm not going to presume that the sky is good. The sky is the sky. And I can choose today to like it. Because if I say the sky is good and the sky doesn't look like I want it to look, then suddenly the sky has turned bad. Suddenly, oh, that rain. Oh, I'm going to get all wet and that's bad. You know, and and it's, I'm going to slip. I'm going to fall. I go to this, that. And suddenly my world becomes a world, again, of fear and awful. But I can look at the sky today. And if I go out in the pouring down rain and I don't want to look at the sky that way, I get in my car and I go on about my business rather than, oh, bad, bad sky. Because I've done that in one form or another. I want to uh, read one little thing here. It comes from Matthew in the Holy Spirit's interpretation. And it says, it's Matthew... Uh, Chapter 21. It says, What seems impossible to you is not impossible. In fact, it is all that is truly possible. For the belief in separation cannot hold you prisoner, because it is not true. It is not real. It is nothing but a figment of your imagination in which you have placed your faith. Through this, you can see the power of your faith. 
but I ask you to remove your faith from what you believe now and place your faith in me, that you may see through different eyes. Surely you will see differently. So all of us, all of us, today, let us be aware that I am what I am. And I'm not what I think I am. I'm not a body. I'm not my upbringing. I'm not what anybody thinks about me. I'm not even what I think about me. I am a beloved child of God. Beloved. And so is the person I fear the most. And so when you think of those people, remind yourself and send a silent reminder to them, you are a beloved child of God and I am willing to know that with you because I believe. I believe. I believe. So it is. Thank you.